You are listening to the Delay and Pray podcast, episode number 66. Welcome to the Delay and Pray podcast, where certified Catholic and weight loss coach Beth Bubick teaches you how to permanently lose weight through spiritual fasting. Get ready to gain faith and lose weight through a joyful transformation of both body and soul. Now, your host, Beth, the Catholic Fasting Coach. All right, we are back with Father Edward Looney to discuss all things spiritual fasting and Marian on this second part of this two-part series. If you haven't listened to part one, please go back and listen before continuing on. It will help you keep fasting for the intentions of the Blessed Mother and why this is so important overall. One of the topics we discussed on the last podcast was how all of the blesseds and saints who have written accounts of the life of Jesus and Mary have one common theme, that Mary is always pointing us towards her son Jesus in the sacraments and that she was created for the son. They are the new Adam and Eve and these books, as we basically concentrate on the mystical city of God. Well, they just detail the filial love between Jesus and his mother. And it is so inspiring and beautiful. And their love elevates our faith. So these books, they also help us understand Jesus as Trinity. That's one of the things we talked about in the last episode. And I mentioned that I think we're missing this mystical part of the Trinity in today's culture. God is the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and how God is all in all. And how we can rest in the Trinity, how he is mystical. And as it is stated in John 5, 17, he's always working for our highest good if we seek him. So I keep John 5, 17 in my heart on a daily basis because no matter what is happening in my life, I know he is always working. So in this episode, we want to concentrate on how Mary, the mother of God, points us to her son as the true food and true drink. And this mystery is the center of our faith as Catholics. This book helped me to understand this mystical spiritual reality and understand myself as a body-soul composite. And the most unique part of being human is having a soul to be able to not only think about our thinking, but to invite the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to enter into that thinking. Believe it or not, our culture can sometimes wonder if we have a soul. Well, we Catholics know we have one. And to be transformed in both mind and body, we need to concentrate on our soul because without a soul, we're not human. So this is something to ponder on in prayer all the time, every day. We're really embodied spirits that cannot fully be happy without God in all three persons. And this book, The Mystical City of God, made that realization sink into my very bones, the marrow, the sinews, the flesh, all of it. It just permeated everything in my body, in my soul. The imagery is forever etched in my mind and heart because the body and soul cannot be separated. So the living word affects and heals it all, especially in prayer and fasting. And Mary is there. She's there as our true mother to guide us through it all. So after all, perfect love casts out fear. We know that. And pondering her life as the virgin and the life of her son, Jesus, really casts out all fear for me. So I wanted to fast and pray for myself at first, for my sanctity and the souls of my family. But as I've come through spiritual fasting over the years, reading wonderful books like this, really, I fast in the name of Jesus. I, I just desire to cast out the net wider now to live for others. That doesn't happen overnight, everyone. It's a slow process, a trajectory to becoming a saint, because one day at a time is what it takes. It's somewhat of a two-stage process. Kind of begins with hunger and what we do with it in body and soul. So in this episode, 
We're going to discuss true hunger with Father Edward Looney. Welcome back, Father Looney. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great to be with you for another show. Oh, love having you. I'm, I'm so grateful. Well, I want to start today by discussing your fasting situation, Father. You've lost 15 pounds. I've listened to one of your podcasts on your series. It's a long time ago. It was like from 2020. It was your podcast series called Father Edward Looney Preaches. And I suppose they're excerpts of homilies, right? That you're giving at church? Uh, Yeah, typically they're just my homilies. So yeah, actually it's kind of recently morphed or changed a little bit. So typically I would have recorded those homilies live and, you know, put the phone on the Ambo, recorded that way. Now, instead, I'm actually recording a video and then I'm taking out the audio and putting it out there as kind of the message I'm preaching this weekend. So it's no longer a live homily, but That's the podcast Father Edward Preaches, yeah. Well, I love it. So I've been going through them a little bit, and one touched me for spiritual fasting, for this podcast that we're talking about, True Hunger, as aligned with spiritual fasting. And in my own life, I started to get really hungry for Jesus when I began a spiritual fasting regimen. So I started with setting two goals, a spiritual goal, and for instance, like the conversion of my husband, getting some of my family members back to mass. And then I had this physical goal and that was to lose 30 pounds, Father. I was at my heaviest weight about four years ago and I needed something to keep me motivated to fast for Jesus and his blessed mother. At the time, I needed something measurable to see how I was doing on my spiritual goals. And so I kind of came into this spiritual fasting with those two goals in mind. So I had already figured out that sugar, processed food and alcohol were keeping me addicted in my body and affecting my soul, sort of in the realm of like gluttony and sloth. And so I never really put them together until I actually went through life coaching and Catholic life coaching. And then I started to study that physical and biological process. And then that led me to that gluttony and sloth type of realization. And then the answers came like, oh, I can put these together. If I start delaying sugar, flour, and alcohol during the week to the weekends, Maybe I can get somewhere with my spiritual life because what is good for the body is good for the soul and vice versa. And it was interesting that I was reading The Mystical City of God at the same time. And so then I I was just getting these messages from Jesus and Mary and the Holy Spirit, like, reach out to us. You cannot do it alone. That is a diet. But if you reach out to us, we will lead it. We will lead you through this and we will help you. And let's do this for others, just not for yourself. Let's do it for others. So I just, I put those you know, two together. So to get as much grace as I could, I started adding daily masses in every week, more adoration and more confession. And then I developed this eat fast feast plan um, that I got from other books as well. And indeed the miracles started happening. Husband was converted and, and still being converted year after year. I'm on my fifth year of spiritual fasting. I easily attend daily mass five or six times a week now. I love adoration and my body and soul are getting fit for God in so many ways. So we're talking about true hunger and that's what happened. I went from just hungry for everything <laughs> and just wondering, being being so upset with myself, wondering why I couldn't do this to leaning into the Holy Spirit and the sacraments, getting back physically into church and understanding that with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, I can spiritually fast. I think the interesting thing about also this podcast is it was during lockdown. And I think you were just coming back because you said something like, we haven't been here in 12 weeks, something to that effect. So that was interesting for me to go back also to that time Hmm. and think, wow, 
I remember going back to mass at the beginning and saying, this is our true hunger. I was so hungry to be physically back into the church and physically take the Eucharist. So tell me a little bit about how your fasting is going, your take on all of this true hunger, and and I'll make sure and put that podcast link in the show notes too. Yeah, great. So for me, kind of similar to your story, I was just uh, realizing that I was at the heaviest that I had ever been. I obviously didn't like the number. The doctor told me, you know, you really need to lose weight. You need to focus on this. And for me, I guess there's two things that led to this weight gain. A lot of people don't know this, but some do. I, I had a viral video about this, actually. It was me sharing about the effect of the COVID vaccine on me. And I know that's not like maybe a popular topic with some people if they're favorable towards the vaccine or whatever, but... It is with my audience. Absolutely. we I do talk about it. Yeah. So immediately after receiving the vaccine and, you know, some people are like, Father, why did you receive the vaccine? And I tell people, well... You know, I was basically told by the places that I would go and visit the elderly that I would not be able to say mass. I couldn't visit their people. I couldn't annoy. I couldn't do these things if I didn't get vaccinated. Now, come to find out, probably that wouldn't have held up. It wouldn't have been true, but it, it seemed like the right thing to do, whether I was misguided or whatever. But I get the first vaccine and I go home and like all of a sudden my heart is racing and it's really fast. And I sleep it off. Like I sleep the entire day. I'm like, okay, I'm sure this is just going to go away. And, and really it remained elevated, but it wasn't severely high. Now, the second time that I got the vaccine though, the second and the series of the two, and I've never gotten a booster, but the second one, it was almost immediate where my heart rate went up to 130 beats per minute, just at rest. And it stayed there. And it was during the night where I woke up in the middle of the night and I said, oh my gosh, like how fast is my heart beating? I looked at my Apple watch and my Apple watch said it was 160 beats per minute. And I was just laying there in bed. So I called the emergency room. and I said, I got vaccinated today and this is what's happening to me. What should I do? And they essentially said, call a friend, have someone stay with you and monitor you because that's all we would do at the hospital. There's nothing that we can do for you. And that was 2021. So it wasn't until January 2023 that it became under control. But just imagine living your life always with a resting heart rate of 110, 120 beats per minute. Like it was always like I was exercising, though, like you didn't get the effects of it. <laughs> so but like that, that prevented me from going on the treadmill. If I would go on the treadmill and walk on the treadmill, like my heart rate would be 150, 160. Like it would just, like I couldn't exercise the way that I used to. So in these two years then, really the weight gain happened because of the COVID vaccine, I would say, because it was limiting my life. Now, what ended up happening was that I had a, a severe episode with a very high tachycardia that I went into the emergency room and it kind of just happened that it was the day after all of the testimony in Congress about the effects of the COVID vaccine and whatnot, and, and that it really didn't work and that people were injured and all that, that this doctor said, it's a crime you haven't been treated because I had gone in three or four times, no one would treat me. And so this doctor finally treated me and said, we're going to put you on medication. We're going to control your heart rate. So that at least got me back to a normal heart rate and I could resume kind of like a normal routine, I guess you could say. Just kind of the life of a priest too, I think can inherently be unhealthy. Like you have long days and lots of people have jobs that probably lead to unhealthy lifestyles. I'm not trying to like 
single out the priesthood or anything like that. But it's just hard when you have all these things throughout the day. You have your council meetings in the evening. So it's hard to get into that routine, right? So so it's very interesting. I'm just, I'm just going to let you know, too, that my nephew, who is a priest, he's now in the Navy, he lost 200 pounds. But at the height of 400 pounds of his, his wow. most heaviest time, he had been a priest for, I, I believe it was like two years. And he was a high school chaplain. He was a parish priest. He was running around. And he said that he would go home and it'd be like 11 o'clock, like after a football game. And he would eat like an entire pizza. Yeah. And then whatever else was in the fridge. Yep. And he was totally addicted to sugar. He, he's actually on my course. I, I mentioned that already. And he just, he'd had it. And he just, at one point, his doctor said, okay, we have to have you around. You're an amazing priest. And you cannot die before you're 40. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he was like, okay, I got to do something. I got to do something. A lot of priests have this, don't they? They're, you're very busy. So I would say if you look at the priest, you know, you either have the priest that looks very fit, very healthy, or you have the priest that is not an icon of health and needs to lose weight and, and whatnot. So there are the two different types. And you see that in ordinary life too. You know, just yes. look at a waiting room at the doctor's office and you'll see like, and that's not to make a judgment, but it's like, here we are, we're in a doctor's office. This is the place where we realize we need to make changes in our life. So for me, in terms of like the whole fasting thing and what you talk about, sugar, alcohol, et cetera. Yeah. So a number of years ago, like this was probably 2018 or something like that. The doctor, I went in just to have some allergy testing done. And so they tested my blood. And so they did this panel and the panel came back and said, okay, you have a sensitivity, I guess, or a reaction in your blood to wheat and to dairy. And so that was kind of eye-opening. It kind of made sense. You know, you would always feel bloated after certain meals. And for a few months, I ate in accordance with that. And of course, lost some weight at that time, et cetera. But the doctor, he made a comment to me, he said, well, you know, it's not like if you eat this stuff, it's going to kill you. Like if you eat it and you feel fine, like there's no reason why, you know, you've eaten it all your life. So if you want to indulge and have a pizza one day or something like you can do that. But, you know, once you give yourself that little permission to say, okay, I'm going to break this one day or whatever, then because again, it's not as, as extreme as maybe someone who has a, a severe allergy. Like celiac or something like that. Yeah. But once you break it and you gave yourself permission, like you continue to return to it again and again. And that's what I found. Like, And then you go out to eat and you're like, ah, oh, it's really inconvenient to eat this wheat-free, dairy-free life. So I'm just going to eat whatever I want. I'm going to order that hamburger or I'm going to have that pizza or whatever. So so really, I, I you know, dietarily didn't really abide by the, you're allergic to wheat and dairy. But, you know, just not feeling the best in the last few months, uh, I thought, well, you know, I better go back to that. Let's let's give that a try again and see if that makes a difference. Like I had been having pains in my stomach and all these things. And so I thought, okay, we'll do that. And so I went back to the dairy-free, wheat-free life, and which to eat wheat-free is really just eating gluten-free. But it's made a big difference. I've lost like 15, 20 pounds. I incorporated exercise into that as well. So I figured out that in my ordinary life on any given week, typically on a Monday, on a Tuesday, and on a Saturday, I could definitely exercise first thing when I get up. Monday's my day off. So if I'm not traveling, if I'm home, then I can definitely uh, exercise. 
Tuesday, we have evening mass, so we don't have morning mass. So I can easily just like kind of take a, a late start to the morning and, and exercise when I can. And then Saturday morning, typically there's not much going on unless there's a funeral. So, and even if there is a funeral early enough, you can exercise. So, so I found that at least three times a week, I can begin exercising. So, so that's kind of what I started doing. Just, you know, my mother died, as I mentioned, in the first episode uh, that we did of diabetes. So my A1C was like 0.1 above normal, which I don't think is anything to be alarmed at, but they thought it was the worst thing ever. But I get it. Like my mother died from this. So yes, I should take like that should have been the wake up call all along. I need to live a healthier life because all the people in my mother's line died in their 50s, you know, and and that was just something that I didn't really take seriously, I guess. Well, I just love your story. And what's interesting about it is the doctors, unfortunately, many of them don't really point out the actual reasoning behind like inflammation. Yeah that's happening in your body that's causing the wheat and the dairy sensitivity. You know, you talk about the priests. We all have different bodies and we're all addicted to something, but some of us have a proclivity to sugar addiction, which means we go to it for comfort. For some odd reason, we go to it for comfort and alcohol turns to sugar in your bloodstream. Flour, processed food turns to sugar in your bloodstream. So that glucose that is flowing into your bloodstream has to be taken care of by your insulin. And then whatever is left over, because insulin is a fat storage hormone, whatever is left over that you don't use for energy at that time, like right after you eat, is stored as fat. Now, some people, their body is very efficient. Their metabolism is very fast. And so they don't store a whole lot of insulin. They're hungry and they eat and they're not addicted. Some of us, you and me, and my wonderful nephew, Jacob, who is the priest, it doesn't take a lot of sugar to, to want it. So because when we have sugar, then we desire more sugar. And yeah. then it's neurological, it's biological. And then we're, we have a problem. And we're like, why is this happening? And then the vaccine, I know from research, is that that also, with a myriad of other problems that it causes, raises inflammation. And so then that affects your gut health, that, yeah. that affects everything. And you don't feel very well. So I love that you you saw this, you looked at your past, and you decided to do something about it, and you planned for it. Yeah. You know, it's interesting what you said about the glucose, right? So, so glucose is like an indicator in diabetes. That's why they take daily blood sugars, et cetera. So the last two times that I've had blood work done, and for some medical reasons recently, I've been having a lot of blood work done. And the last two times, it was 114, it was 110. So it was elevated. It was above what they'd want. They only wanted to be like 99 or lower. So, but you know, two months, wheat-free, dairy-free, watching what you eat, exercising. Like I was really proud that the glucose was down to like 85. So it really did. I, I wonder, I, I'm led to believe that the dietary changes and such probably lowered my glucose there. So. I'm sure it did. And then if you add intermittent fasting, and I call that dining in with Jesus, like start with 12 hours. So if you go from like 8 p.m. to 8 a.m., and that's pretty much everybody can do that. That's intermittent fasting. That's going to help you lower your inflammation. That's going to help you. And then if you fast for a spiritual reason, then spiritual purpose, that helps body and soul. And then you take that 12 hours and you just move it to 13, 14, 15, 16 over months, right? Until you get to like probably a 20 hour fast and a four hour eating window. 
And you would be amazed not only at the weight loss, but just the health, the increase in health, your glucose will drop considerably. And then when you're tying that to a spiritual purpose, especially on Wednesdays and Fridays, then that's phenomenal. And so it's interesting to get this information out to people. And what's so fun is the Blessed Mother, she asked us to, the best fast is bread and water, if you follow Medjugorje and some of the other ones. It took me a while to get to it. And I was a little scared of bread because I was like, ah, isn't, you know, the keto mentality, diet mentality. I, I can't have bread. And, and then I got the answer from her. She was telling me, you're thinking in the natural bath. You, you need to come over to my supernatural realm here. And I did. And the bread is completely fine. So like today's a Friday. I fast on bread and water. I have just a little bit of spinach and lettuce before I have my two pieces of bread. I have one late in the afternoon and one in in the evening. And I'll have like a, just a tiny bite of salmon, make salmon for my husband. And what's phenomenal about that is it's just so efficacious. I'm used to it now. My body's used to it. My body wakes up on a Friday and says, it's time to fast. And I fast for priests on Friday. So I'm fasting for you. I'm fasting for good men and I'm fasting for all those people who struggle with alcohol because Friday night was my hardest night to stop drinking. Sure. <laughs> and I did it. I didn't have a drink on a Friday night, all of 2023. So this spiritual fasting thing is phenomenal. And it goes right into that homily that you had about true hunger. And I love that you suggested in this, this Taze prayer. And I have heard Taze prayer in our parish. We do during Lent, there's always one week of different types of prayer, but I've never been. I, I didn't know what it was. I was like, what is that? And so what's happening to me now, Father, is that when I'm super hungry and I can't keep my fast, like today I'll be hungry and I'm not going to have that bread until about one o'clock. I'm literally singing now, Jesus, remember me. I just say it over and over again. And I can keep dining in with Jesus until I can eat that piece of bread. So I want to thank you for that because it's really helping me align my, my physically and emotional hunger to Jesus on the cross. And it's even gotten farther into like St. Dismas, who is the good thief. And I'm like, well, if he can get to heaven and be a saint, well, I can do it. <laughs> I can do it. He did it. So thank you for that wonderful homily. It's really impacted me. Yeah. You know, I don't remember the homily. So that's interesting. You know, well, that's when you have the audio archive, people can go back and they can find these homilies. They can. So you don't know what you said five years ago, how that's going to impact someone in the present day. So that's kind of the gift, I guess, of audio archiving homilies. And there's one person I read on the internet that said no priest should record their homilies or live stream their homilies. And he makes the point because all the priests that he follows that do are pretty like extreme and they get in trouble. But it's like, well, if you're just like a normal priest preaching the word of God and not trying to be controversial, I think that you can record your homilies for the edification of God's holy people. So I'm grateful that what God inspired me to say in that moment a long time ago touched you and, and helped you. So that's incredible to hear. So what was funny about this homily was it was actually on the Feast of the Corpus Christi, which is in the summer. So, I mean, it's not during Lent, but it touched me so much now because recording this during Lent. And then you actually sang, eat this bread and drink this cup. I won't sing it. You can sing it, but you sang it. Eat this bread and drink this cup. Come to me and never be hungry. Eat this bread, drink this cup. Trust in me and you will not thirst. And I mean, that is oh. another one I sing over and over again because I go to mass every day. I added one mass a day for five years. So now I'm in my fifth year doing, you know, five or six daily masses and I can wait because I'm metabolically flexible now. And I do explain, I have a book coming out. So I explain all of this for you to read to help you as well. And that fast, you know, I'm really filled up with the, with the true, true food of Jesus Christ. And I can, I can wait. I can. 
for you, to heal you, to heal others, to help others. I can do it. Yeah, I think the the beauty of fasting when we kind of self-deny ourselves, that it creates this hunger for God that we realize, oh, I do have this physical hunger, but there's something even more. And for people that maybe they start out, they just start counting calories and they're trying to be in a calorie deficit that that like they realize by the end of the day, oh, I, I'm still hungry, but I can't eat anymore because I would be over whatever. But I think there's some sort of identification with the poor then. So there are so many people who are on the streets of Guatemala or because I, I studied in Guatemala for eight weeks, the Spanish language, and, and that you saw the poverty there and the simplicity of meals and such and the hunger that maybe some of those people had, but I just use that for my own experience. But it's kind of like I hunger now because I know someone else has hunger too. And somehow because I'm hungering, God is going to help that person too. But it also allows us to realize, you know, I'm dependent upon God for all that I need, that he's going to fill me with his goodness. And that really, at the end of the day, you know, it's the Lord who fulfills all of these desires. And to say him that, that you quoted, come to me and you will not thirst. So that thirst will be quenched. You'll never be hungry again. So God will fulfill all of those desires for us, both in word and in sacrament. So that's how he fills us so much. Yes. And then that Mystical City of God book and just leaning into the intercession of the Blessed Mother, that helped me to understand that that bread and water is really the Eucharist. Some of my clients, they don't even do bread and water. They just do the Eucharist on those days. I'm not quite there yet. And she just wants us to concentrate always on her son, Jesus, in the Eucharist and talk about the poverty. There's the poverty. And it is great to be hungry. Our culture doesn't want to be hungry. Yeah. Our culture just wants instant gratification. And I did too. I, I couldn't understand it. I was like, I didn't know I was stuck in instant gratification and comfort. And it's funny because we call the Holy Spirit the comforter. Yeah, definitely. So the Holy Spirit does comfort us in so many different ways. So probably in that physical sense, as you just mentioned, but I, I always think of the Holy Spirit comforting people who mourn. Jesus says the Holy Spirit will remind you of all that I've done. And so I think that the Holy Spirit can do that with, he'll remind us of our love and uh, our love for our, our loved ones and such too. So yeah, there's a lot there just with all of this and fasting and, and you talk about the mystical city of God and we've quoted that a number of times here. And if I'm not mistaken, if I recall from the reading of it is that the Holy family, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, but Mary in particular, like she ate very limited meals. They ate very simple meals. Like they, they engaged in this discipline of fasting. But we even think about the scriptures and Jesus himself, he fasts for 40 days. He gives us the pattern of our Lenten observance. And so we enter into the fast of Jesus when we fast as well. Yes, they fasted. I do love that part about the book. And she basically had, they had bread and fish and some fruit. Yeah. And very little. And when he was in the desert, she did not eat either. He did not eat for 40 days in the desert. And what I, I found phenomenal, that. okay, what I found phenomenal, Father, about that experience was Mary, Mother of God, was in her place. She had closed the door, did not come out for 40 days. She also did not eat for 40 days, according to the book. And then when Satan came to tempt Jesus in the desert. He thought he was just a man. He couldn't figure out. He didn't know he was Jesus. He didn't know he was divine. I think that blew my mind. And I think what happened there was that 
it made me understand that God is in full control of Satan. He's in full control of all of this. I mean, the only way that the demonic can enter in is if we open the door and decide that's what we're going to do. It's an interesting thought pattern to read this and just entertain that the devil was always trying to figure out who is this Jesus? Who is this Mary? He was so confused until the crucifixion. Yeah. And when it comes to fasting too, we know that that Jesus himself, when he sent out these disciples, I think it was the 72 he sends out, and they come back and they say, Jesus, we try to cast out demons in your name, but there were some that we couldn't cast out. And Jesus says, well, only by prayer and fasting are some demons expelled. And so, so Jesus even gives greater meaning to the sense of fasting that we might undertake, is that, well, if you want to uproot a sin or a vice in your life, well, then by fasting and offering that to the Lord, that's how that demon is going to be starved out of you in a sense. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And it's not easy. And and when some people come to me and say, this is so challenging. Well, if it was super easy, then they wouldn't cast out demons. So it's a process that I think everyone can definitely do. Well, this has been amazing. And going back to that one homily, you also talked about that we prep our earthly food. A lot of us do. We're like, okay, like you said, I'm going to plan for exercise on Monday, Tuesday, and Saturday, and I'm going to plan for that. And you're probably planning for what you're eating so that you're going to try and stay away from as much wheat and dairy as possible. And I know you're alcohol-free for like, what was it, three, four months? Yeah. So I've gone on spurts with that. I I had an article that probably got me in trouble once. I gave up alcohol for 33 days for a Marian consecration. And I gave the backstory like, you know, I was really struggling with things going on at that moment when there was sadness or whatever. And so like maybe turn to it. And I realized that I was doing the Marian consecration. I said, okay, I'll I'll give it up, right? And so I, I went that time probably. I, I've never gone a full year. Uh, I think I will this time though. So that was one time that I went quite a bit. And, and there were like traumatic experiences. That was the year that my mother died. And so like I could have easily turned to turned to alcohol in that, but I but I chose not to. I was able to endure and persevere through it without it. So, and then there was another time where I did St. Michael's Lent, if people don't know what that is. We just did that as a community. Yeah, August 15th to St. Michael's Feast Day. And, Powerful. And then I continued it. So so I did St. Michael's Lent, did that alcohol-free. Yeah, and just this last October, I just kind of said, you know what? Obviously, too, you think about most of these alcohols have weed in it. So if you're drinking a beer, that's wheat. The whiskeys or any type of hard liquor is malt grain. So there is a wheat component there. So wasn't wheat free. So just made that decision. But I think too, I just realized the over-dependence a lot of people have on it and how they turn to it. And it becomes this daily ritual. And I just realized, ah, I don't think that's the healthiest thing that I need, you know? And there's a big difference in your life when you cut it out, I know. Like, I've experienced it from how you spend your evenings to how you can wake up earlier in the morning or whatever. There are a lot of good effects from it. And it's so crazy to me because I follow a lot of these Instagram pages, but there is huge movements of people entering sobriety and doing the sober life. And people, I think, are realizing the, the harmful effects of it. And it's just incredible to see people leaving it behind and finding greater freedom and greater fulfillment without it. Absolutely. So in my life, 
the alcohol, I could tell, because it's funny. I'd like to know why you got in trouble, by the way, because one of the things about me is I always go out there and for all of last year, I did not drink alcohol on Fridays because I I didn't want to drink during the week and I didn't mind drinking on Saturday night or Sunday as a feast day, just a couple glasses. So, but what I was finding is that I really wanted it like on a Tuesday night, just a glass of wine. I'm not an alcoholic in any shape, way or form. But it was funny because I would get emails. You're so vulnerable. Like I was an alcoholic just because I said I overdrink. I overdrink. Yeah. And so what was funny is, yeah, I'm not. It's just that the Friday alcohol especially was keeping me from my bread and water or just my Wednesday, my Friday fast. I was just making up like schedules. Oh, Blessed Mother, is it okay if I go from 5 p.m. Thursday to 5 p.m. Friday? Would that be a good 24? Is, Is that okay for you? You know, and I... It's like I was constantly trying to revolve my life around a couple glasses of wine on a Friday night. Like, what's that about? Like, that's sure. that's a that's a vice. Okay. <laughs> then, like you said, once I gave it up, oh my gosh, our Friday nights are so productive. I mean, we have tonight. We're going to be doing amazing things. We play games. We don't drink. My family still does. It's fine. It's fine. But my whole life just sort of opened up. So. Tell us why you got in trouble. That's interesting. Uh, you know, I think it's just uh, kind of, as you mentioned, people read into these statements that you might make. And so they make false assumptions. So in this article, and this was back 2017, like I would go, I'd get off the highway. There was a little Irish pub and I'd stop in, maybe have mm-hmm. a pint or two, and then I'd go home. And so that was a, a little ritual. If I was coming off the highway, I'm like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll just have one or two. And it was like a block away. Then, like, I didn't have cable either. I only had streaming stuff. So, like, for football games or whatever, like, I would typically make that my place. I would go. I'd go have a few drinks, watch the the football game or baseball, whatever it was. So some people, as I shared that in the article that I wrote, they, like, comment, I don't know how a priest can have so much time and blah, blah. And I think there's this perception that a priest should always be in his chapel at home praying and (laughs) he shouldn't have a life. So that's why I think I think people just read things into it. But yeah, that article created years of havoc for me. So just being always under scrutiny of like, oh, he admitted that he had a problem once. And so he must still have a problem and we're going to try to catch him in this problem or whatever. And and so it's just kind of comical to me like that. A simple article about Mary and consecration and how renunciation of something led to almost eight years of ongoing harassment by two people in particular. Interesting. Well, okay. So since I have an uncle who was a priest and I wear his scapular, I have all his medals and scapular. I was gifted that from my mom, her brother. And then I have a nephew who's a priest. I know your humanity. I know how human you are. I I mean, sitting at the table with priests and nuns, very human, very, very human. I mean, that's why I pray all the time for religious on Fridays, especially priests, but I include nuns as well. Very human. It's not easy. And oh my goodness. It's, and also in the Catholic world, drinking, it's very natural. It's like, what would you say? It's like something I came from a huge Catholic family. We drink all the time. And I just yeah knew it was leading me into gluttony. And I love that you use the Marian consecration to renounce alcohol because you could see it was getting getting a little bit in the way and for your health as well. Yeah. So you talked about being in a family that alcohol was a part of it and it's part of growing up. I think that's what a lot of people's experience is. But for me, as I'm with friends or out you realize like, I think this person has overindulged. It might be borderline sinful for them. And I think we've kind of lost the sense too of 
drunkenness as being a sin and probably a mortal sin as well. So, so we've lost that sense. And so like people who overindulge, they probably should be seeking out the sacrament of reconciliation, you know? So so that's just one of those things that in the sober life that you live, that then as you're out with people, you kind of observe and you're like, ah, this person maybe needs the mercy of God to touch them now, you know? So, but yeah, that's just kind of an awareness you have. And again, that's not to be judgmental. You see it and you're like, oh, if only more people were aware of what they need to know and how can you bring them to that point of awareness and conversion and such in their life. Yeah, you make a great point right there. I think spiritual fasting for me really brought up all my sins. It, it just, and I always praying to Our Lady of Sorrows, you know, help me to make a good confession, bring up my sins. And that sugar, that flour, that alcohol was, came right up to the top. And I really was holding on to them. I was like, nope, 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 you can't have these. <laughs> and I didn't even realize it really. And they were forcing me into drunkenness, gluttony, and sloth. Because when you have a couple of drinks, you're, you're not going to pray that night. You're not going to have an exam. And, you're, and then you can't get up the next morning. And even if you eat too much, let's just go there. Let's go back to food. What if you overeat at night and then you go to bed and you're like, oh, I can't even sleep. And then you can't get up for mass the next morning. Yeah. Same. Yeah, there's all those things that happen with that. So the addictions that we have can feed into other sinful tendencies too. So overindulge in alcohol, well, I'm probably going to gossip. I'm going to take the Lord's name in vain. I'm going to swear more like, not that I'm not saying that I did. No, but that happens. But you see that, like, that's kind of what that life will lead to. And so it's not just one sin, but then it becomes a myriad of sins as well. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So we can spiritually prep our food. <laughs> so we can not only prep our food that we're actually earthly eating, all the good meat and salad and bread and all of that. You can have a glass of wine occasionally if you want, or you can just take it out of your whole life, which is actually just really a, a great thing to do. But also plan in your sacraments. And that is really important too. And you said that in your homily is like spiritually prepping food, just like spiritually prepping to go get the true food of God. Mm. And for lay people, for priests, I know that you, you say mass every day. For those of us who maybe aren't close to a church, we do have to plan it in. And I have made it the very thing that I do every day. Like I plan my day around exercising first thing in the morning and then mass. I, I do mass two days a week at night and then three days a week in the morning. And then I have to move it around. I look at my week on Sunday and I say, what's my day look like? Or what's my week look like? And where do I need to move that mass so I can make sure to get to the sacraments? And it's helped me fast physically. It's, it's much more effective that way. So if you guys are trying to spiritually fast, please think about spiritually prepping <laughs> the true food, the true drink of God. And then when you are trying to fast and you can't make it, if you're trying to make your 16 hours and you're on hour 15 and you got that hour, um, you know, do that Taze prayer. Try it. Look it up. I mean, Father Edward Learney, I'm telling you that that tiny, I think it was a six minute, six minute homily, I think is what it was. And I've listened uh -huh. to it a few times and I'm just like, okay, I, you know, okay, this it's just, it's furthered my faith. So I want to thank you for that. Yeah, I usually preach six to 10 minutes. I don't preach 15 minutes. I know preachers that preach that long and I hear feedback from their people that, that you know, kind of lament length. And it's not that I want to shortchange the people of God, but I know that they're not going to listen. Or honestly, I don't think I'm that interesting to talk for 15 minutes, you know, to preach the word of God for that long. So I like 
creating the homily, wrapping it up, delivering it, and having you open it. And however long that takes, you know, sometimes it is 10 minutes and sometimes it's six minutes, but here's the objective. This is what we're preaching. This is what's accomplished. Now go live it, right? So that's my approach to prepping homilies. I love it. And then how you titled it is important because like all I did was search Father Looney and I I don't remember, I, I was like fasting or food. And then that one came up. And then I went to your podcast and listened to that. And I was like, oh, oh, wow, this is good. This is great. This is just what I needed. Well, this has been wonderful. And I will be spiritually fasting for all of the people who took the vaccine and are having negative effects from it. So got to think about that as well. And we can spiritually fast for each other and, and be healed. So I thank you for your vulnerability on all of this. You've been very helpful in the last few weeks and and also the Mystical City of God. Again, get the book, everyone, especially during Lent, but also get the podcast of Father Looney's because he gives a little reflection at the end of every day, which is very, very helpful. He'll just bring it into, into today's culture, which is also very helpful. Father Looney, this was amazing. And thank you so much for all this information and wonderful conversation centering around the love for the Blessed Mother and the true hunger that we have for Jesus and that we can cultivate. We will be praying for you that your health improves and wish you God's blessing on all that you do. And I'll be praying and fasting for you on all Fridays forever. Uh, That's my fasting day for priest men and all those who struggle with alcohol addiction out there. And remember, you can have an alcohol addiction and, and not be an alcoholic. So I experienced it myself. And so I know many priests and sisters, brothers, and people out there that that are just deciding to leave it behind. And don't do just a dry January, everyone. Make sure you have a spiritual purpose. All suffering is redemptive. So if you're going to give up alcohol, make sure that you're giving it up for the salvation of your soul and others too. So don't leave out that little spiritual purpose. Any parting thoughts before you give us a blessing, Father? Well, I would just encourage people as they continue, really, you know, this life on earth is, as St. Paul says, a great race. And so Keep running it with perseverance so that we might receive the crown that awaits us. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Can you end with a blessing, Father? Sure. Let us pray. O Lord, our God, we know that in the Eucharist, you have become our true food and drink, that in your word, that you nourish our minds, our hearts, and our souls. So help us to receive all these good things that you give us. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, please subscribe and even leave a five-star review if you wouldn't mind so others will hear the great message of spiritual fasting, getting healthy, losing weight, and getting back to the sacraments this Lent. Yes, you can lose weight during Lent. It's just a natural benefit of spiritual fasting. Oh, so beautiful. Well, have a great week, my friends, and I will talk to you next week. May God bless you and keep you always. If you are interested in learning more about spiritual fasting and permanent weight loss, then come join my course, Delay and Pray, a guided course for weight loss through spiritual fasting. You won't go through it alone either. I will be there to coach you every step of the way. This is a group coaching program where you are part of an amazing community of like-minded Catholics who have the same goal as you to bring about miracles while losing that weight permanently through spiritual fasting. Your purchase includes an online course detailing what spiritual fasting is, how to do it, and all the tools you need to get you the results you're longing for. Head over to my website right now at thecatholicfastingcoach.com and get the details on how to join. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and LinkedIn to always get the latest daily information to help you keep fasting, my friends. Can't wait to see you in there. May God bless you and keep you always.